Welcome to the One Step to Life podcast, a podcast for those living with chronic pain and the people who love them. Honest talk for people living with persistent pain, chronic and complex illness, long-term COVID, or other complex medical conditions. Why did a psychologist who studies families develop an app for tracking pain? The fact that the One Step to Life app grew completely out of our experience as a family is so deeply ingrained in the fiber of my being that I forget to tell people about it. Hence, this post. I was asked for information about One Step to Life by the editors of My Chronic Pain, an online magazine and newsletter for people living with migraine. So I wrote a part of our story. I wanted to share some of what I wrote here. What is One Step to Life all about? One Step to Life is an app developed for people who live with pain that makes it hard to do everyday tasks, get out of bed, spend time with family and friends, work or go to school. I developed the One Step to Life app based on my work as a developmental psychologist, my family's experience living with severe chronic migraine disease, and in consultation with the clinicians at the Cleveland Clinic Pediatric Pain Rehabilitation Program. Unlike most apps for people with li- living with migraine disease or other pain disorders, One Step to Life doesn't focus on tracking symptoms, although you can log pain. Instead, the goal of the app is for people to set concrete short-term goals they think will improve their lives. It helps people track small daily steps toward a richer, happier life. Daily mood, self-care, like showering or brushing your hair, caring for pets and others, daily chores, social activities like texting friends, hobbies, exercising, taking meds and following diets, and going to work or school. It also has a motive for parents of children or teens living with serious conditions that helps them to break out of a relationship cycle that focuses on pain and illness and be more effective coaches and parents. So, why me? some background. I'm a developmental psychologist who's studied parent-adolescent relationships all over the world. I'm particularly interested in adolescents' motivations and why adolescents do what their parents ask and when they hide information or lie. You can see some of my work on my website, nancydarling.org. I am a professor at Oberlin College and editor-in-chief of the Journal of Adolescence. I know a lot about parent-adolescent relationships. Until my youngest son was 14, he was completely healthy. Literally, he hadn't missed a day of school. One May, he came down with what seemed like an odd stomach bug that lasted a few weeks. And then suddenly, he was constantly nauseous and throwing up multiple times a day. Doctors found nothing, even with invasive tests. Almost exactly a year later, he had his first migraine attack. Within three months, he was chronic despite being prescribed both preventive and rescue meds. By June, his attacks would last from four to six days every week, and he was so light and sound sensitive he couldn't leave his darkened room, and he was in so much pain that he could barely speak for much of the time. If you know people with severe migraine disease, I'm sure you've heard this story before. We were incredibly fortunate 
in that he almost immediately got excellent care at the Cleveland Clinic from a doctor who seriously and systematically worked through treatment options. He was referred to a pain specialist who worked on his coping mechanisms, helpful lifestyle changes, and taught him biofeedback. That was invaluable, as no medications touched his pain until the new CGRP inhibitors came out four years later. He was also fortunate to work with the Cleveland Clinic Pediatric Pain Rehab Program to help him regain some of the physical strength and skills he'd lost by being unable to leave his room from pain. Before we finally isolated some of the issues underlying his disease, his attacks were lasting a month or more, and even infusions were unable to help. Migraine just ate four years of his high school. Developing One Step to Life, Developmental and Rehabilitative Science. As you might imagine, I did what all parents do, dive into the literature, read everything I could find, and join support groups. Several issues really struck me. All the recommendations were to maximize functioning and adopt a challenging lifestyle. Now, basically, the message was, do these incredibly difficult things like stop eating food you like, balance rest and functioning, keep functioning, don't withdraw now so that maybe six months or a year from now, you might feel better. Now, I study adolescents. That's not how it works. In fact, we know that's not how it works for anyone. The patient mode of One Step to Life grew out of these insights. All people, but adolescents in particular, are much more motivated by gaining pleasure, reward, than by avoiding pain, punishment. Definite short-term rewards are much more motivating than possible long-term rewards. Attending to and cataloging pain tends to make it worse. Distraction and emotionally neutralizing pain makes it easier to deal with. One step to life is very simple. It lets you log and celebrate, reward, doing things that others take for granted, but are hard for people living with migraine and other similar diseases. I made it to the couch. I took a shower. I played with my dog. Checking off those boxes focuses your attention on what you can do, not what you can't. It also reminds you of other things you might want to do. For example, you check off that you took your meds, but it reminds you that you might want to say hi to your friend or eat with the family. It also allows you to set short-term goals, something easy, something that's a stretch, something fun, and log your mood and, if you choose, your pain. By visualizing the relationship between functioning, mood, and pain, you can see long-term change that can be lost in the episodic nature of migraine and other headache diseases. The caregiver mode of one step to life is very personal to me. In caregiver mode, parents can log their child's mood and functioning. This is particularly important because I know, as a parent, that it was incredibly easy only to see what my son couldn't do and the long-term effect this might have on his life. By focusing on his accomplishments, it helped me to encourage his autonomy and focus on his strength. One Step to Life also encourages positive coaching by having parents log some of the parenting activities that can be lost when you focus so much on caregiving. Things like giving compliments, 
talking about your day, asking about fun stuff, and encouraging autonomy. In other words, it helps parents focus on something other than pills, pain, and the missing homework. So here we are. We launched One Step to Life in November. My husband, Andrew Burns, has written essays on neuroscience and on being a dad. My son, Sean, has written about biofeedback and living with migraine. Please follow us. Please share our information with people who you think it might help. If you bought the app and found it helpful, please write a review. That is the most helpful thing that anyone could do for us. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, I would urge you to subscribe to this podcast. I'd also suggest that you check out our website. You can find us at oneSteptoLife.com. That's number one, step number two, life.com. The One Step to Life app can be found on the Apple App Store and also on Google Play. Thanks. Bye.